Father God, I just thank you, Jesus, <laughs> that we can step into unity today in our yes, homes, Father. God. I thank you, Jesus, that you use me and my husband, Father, as a vessel to flow through, Father. Yeah. I thank you, Jesus, that your wisdom that comes straight from your throne mm -hmm. comes down and gets deposited into your people today, Father. And I declare that every household yes. will stand in unity yes. in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. So um, that's epic. So I want to read uh, Genesis chapter 3. I want to read a little bit out of here, Genesis 2 and 3. It's a good book to read about unity. Um, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, I don't know why I sound like I'm in a tin can over here. I don't feel like you I have. No. I need, I need something more volume or something. Um, it says here in verse 18, Then the Lord said, It is not good for man to be alone. Mm -mm. Look at the person next to you say, We weren't designed to be alone. It says, I will make him a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals, the birds of the sky, brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each and every one. He gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the sky, the wild animals, but there was still no helper just right for him. Oh, i got to pause. I'm sorry to tell you, but <laughs> I'm going to hurt somebody's feelings. You need more than an animal in your life. You need people in your life. Can you say amen? Amen. Look at the person next to you. Say, it's good to have an animal. It's good to have an animal. But you need real people. You need real people. In your life. Yes. Say, it's not good for man to be alone. Yeah. The Bible clearly says God made every kind of animal and brought them to the man, including lions, tigers, and bears. Yeah. And none of them satisfied the position that God wanted them to have. Mm -mm. You need real people in your life. Can you say amen? That's a good Look at the person next to you and say, if you don't have real people, if you don't have real people in, your life, in your life, you need to get some. You need to get some. Okay? Because the enemy wants to keep you isolated. Mm. And we don't need isolation. We need real relationships. Can you say amen? Amen. All right. Epic. Moving right along. Hope I didn't hurt anyone's feelings. Then it says, um, he gave names to all the livestock, birds of the sky, wild animals, no helper just right for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed, this is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from the man. And this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Yes. Say so unity. Unity. So God, if you th listen to the scripture and you think about it, God took a piece out of the man and put it in another body. And when you come together, you're complete in who God has designed you to be. Both pieces have to work and operate with the Lord in the center in love. And one of the hardest things that I had to discover in my... Yeah, just because you get married doesn't mean you know anything about marriage. Anybody want to raise their hand and agree with me? No, the day you get married is really just the starting point to discover what marriage is all about. And really, it's the beginning of the process of two hearts becoming one. And there's a lot of self that has to die in that process. A lot of self. A lot of the way I do it, the way my family does it, how I want it, how I think it should be done. All of that has to die. And there has to be a unity that's developed where the two discuss things and come up with something brand new that never existed before. This is the way we're going to do it. That's what a marriage is about. It's the two becoming one. Not, it's all my way and you serve me. Or it's all my way and you do what I want you to do. Look at the person next to you and say, you're going to be okay. This is going to be good for you. Amen. And so one of the hardest things for me to discover was... 
who is this woman that God has given me? What are her talents? What are her gifts? What are her strengths? No kidding. She's Just a, joking. She's a little gangster, I know. <laughs> a little holy, a little hood. Why did you give me this woman, Lord? <laughs> no kidding. Just joking. You know, I'm proper from English South Africa, you know, everything so knife and fork and everything just so orderly. And this is totally gangster, you know <laughs> what I mean, on this side. No, it's not totally gangster. But anyway, it's, classy gangster. it's classical gangster. <laughs> and they say opposites attract, but those opposites can irritate you. And they irritate you in the beginning because you're not walking in love. You're still walking in yourself. And as I began to discover who she was and what she brought to the table and gave her the ability to be who she is instead of trying to change her all the time, things exploded for us. Yeah, I'm loaded because of this woman. <laughs> the Bible says... <laughs> The Bible says that when you find a wife, you find a good thing and you get favor from God. Amen. But how are you treating what God has given you? And my dad's from an Arab family from the Middle East. And, you know, the Arabs are a little different when it comes to their woman. <laughs> I won't go into any detail. Yeah, I think you should. No, it's just like the culture is the firstborn son is more means more to the family line than the wife. You carry the family name. You carry the family. So it becomes about the boy, the firstborn son. And the women in that culture really don't have a voice. They're just there to serve. Do what they're told. And so when you grow up under the influence of that culture, you think a certain way. And it's not God's way. Mm. And to break your mindset out of world's culture versus God's culture, yes, there's a transformation it. that has to take place in your heart. But you're blinded to it. You can't see that you're doing it. But what happens in the marriage is there's certain points where those things get exposed in you. And then when they do get exposed and they cause conflict, are you willing to humble yourself and correct yourself? And come to the cross and let God break that stronghold, that way of thinking out of you so that you can walk in the way God wants you to walk so you can have unity in your home. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't want to die to their way. They just want it their way. Yeah. And the Bible says in the book of Proverbs 13 verse 10, pride leads to conflict. When you remove pride from the situation, all conflict goes. Say, yes, pastor, preach. Humility. Yes, this is really working. This is really good this stuff. This is where the key is, right here. In humility. Humility, yes. So let's read. Uh, let me read this too. Let me read the conflict. So everything's good in the garden until man and woman disobey God, right? Mm, yeah. And then God has, has to pronounce the curse. And in chapter 3, verse 16, it says, Then he says to the woman, I'll sharpen the pain of your pregnancy, and in pain you will give birth. And you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. So that's conflict right there. The man wants to rule and she wants to control. That's part of the curse. That's part of the fallen nature. And the way that you reverse the curse is you have to both walk in love. Right? Woman has the power to manipulate you, man. Yes, we do. You might be the head, but she the neck, and she'll turn that head any way she wants it to go. <laughs> Women know how to manipulate. You guys are professionals. <laughs> In your fallen nature, it's just what you do. <laughs> A man in his fallen nature will use his strength and he'll use that to forcefully control things, intimidate with fear. Mm. Instead of using his strength to cover and protect, he'll use his strength to bring harm and to threaten to bring submission. 
And men were not supposed to, to rule with that kind of nature. We're supposed to love our wives. We'll get into that in a second. You want to read 1 Corinthians 13? Let's talk about love, baby. Let's <laughs> really? talk about you and me. It gets too quiet in here, and you know. You need the balance. I don't the force. like it. If you could speak all of the languages on earth and of the angels, but did not love others, you would just be a noisy, gongy, and clingy symbol. If you had the gift of prophecy, and if you understood all of God's secret plans, even if you had all the secret plans and possessed all the knowledge, and if had such faith that you could move mountains but did not love others, you would be nothing. If you gave everything you had to the poor and even sacrificed your body and could boast about it but did not love others, you would have gained nothing. Here it is. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, mm. and it keeps no record of being wrong. Okay? It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. L never loses faith is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. And so in chapter 14, verse 1, it says, Let love be your highest goal. And even the first command that the Lord has given us is, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as you do yourself. And so does God have love or is God love? God is love. So God wants us to walk in love. He wants us to be like Him. And the God kind of love is unconditional love. Say unconditional. Unconditional love has no strings attached to it. It's I love you regardless. It's a love that doesn't seek anything for itself. It's a love that's willing to give itself for the other person. And Jesus said, greater love has no man than this than he who lays down his life for his friends. And so the standard that we have to operate on in our homes, look at the person next to you and say, the standard that we set in our households to operate in unity is to walk in love, God's love. And so that needs to become the standard for your household. What is that standard? Love is patient. Love is kind. When you're no longer patient, you're no longer kind, you're not walking in the love of God, and you need to humble yourself and come back to patience and kindness. That's for every person in the household. And we need to train ourselves to operate according to this law. Are you with me? It says, love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. So the minute you see jealousy rising up in your children, you have to bring correction. You say, baby, I love you, but this jealous thing that's rising up in you is not the love of God. And you need to bring it to the cross and you need to lay that thing down. This is the standard we live by. You get rude. I get rude with her. We had a rude moment the other day. You have to apologize and you have to make it right. It's not just going to the Lord and saying, Lord, uh, please forgive me for the way I spoke to my wife the other day. I know it was wrong. But then I don't go and fix it with her and say, babe, I'm so sorry the way I treated you. That wasn't right. And look, we go through stuff. You know, you know we'll t I'll tell the story. You know, Mr. Wayne, he was going through everything he was going through. We had to pack and leave and go to Tampa for a conference. We we're getting ready for a harvest festival. There's all kinds of things going on. There's stuff in the nations we're dealing with, with a well and getting all that stuff done. And so there's all kinds of stresses that hit your family from different sides. And when you come under pressure, little things push, push attitudes out of us sometimes. Anybody know about that? And so we came to Bible school here on the Monday evening. And I said something. And Misty jokingly said something from the side of the room. And I jokingly responded, shut up and sit down. 
And I said, all right, all right. I was disrespectful. I crossed that line. I'm going to shut up and sit down. That was all right. So then we're heading to Tampa. We're driving up to Tampa. And Misty says to me, I don't go this way. <laughs> this is the way I go. He doesn't like it when I give him directions at all. I'm following the GPS. And the GPS says this is the shortest way to get there. But then Misty keeps telling me I'm going the wrong way. No, I kept saying there's a better way to go. There's a better way to go. Yeah. So, a couple of days prior. Because he didn't listen to me the first time I said it again, irritated. You know yes. what I mean? So, I, I, I got out of love first. So, when you're in the turning lane and you can't go the other way anymore, it's stressful as a male driver. So I said, won't you just shut up and let me drive? Now that second time, shut up didn't go so well. <laughs> so we were going to go through order in the household, and it says wives respect your husbands. And it says husbands love your wives. Yeah, so I stepped out of respect, but he stepped out of love. So I was like, oh, this game on now. So <laughs> I said some not so nice stuff. I can't tell you, no, but my, my, uh, my son witnessed it, and he stays quiet, but I know deep down inside, he's going to take his father's side. Because <laughs> Nick's so much nicer in his delivery. He forgot. He didn't hear the shut up part that he told me. He only heard my part. <laughs> Somehow, he don't hear his dad when he's rude. Just me. He is the golden child. So uh, anyways, yeah, so we just decided we we're going to go silent treatment. Yeah. And we have to go to a church meeting at Pastor Rodney's now. <laughs> and you know, when you're irritated with one another, you can't think of anything else except that thing. But you're trying to ignore it, but you can't ignore it. You're like, hey, how are you? You're trying mm -hmm. to meet people and you're like, mm -hmm. <laughs> I want to go home. <laughs> I don't want to talk to her or be with her anywhere near her right now. I'm so, so then Misty said to me, she leaned over to me and she said, I'm sorry I disrespected you. And then I said, well, I'm sorry I told you to shut up. <laughs> and we laughed. Yeah. I mean, we, we just. It's because I said, it's okay, babe. We love hard and we fight hard. <laughs> it's just who we are. <laughs> and we giggled for like another 30 minutes. Yeah. And so the thing is, Misty understands how God expects me to treat her. And I understand how God expects Misty to treat me because we found it in the word. And so in the book of um, Ephesians. Ephesians, we'll read it to you so you can see what the order in the home is. And then what you do is you have to step into your assigned role in who God has called you to be in the house. And as long as you stay in your role, you have authority over the situation. But the minute you get out of your love walk and into self, you just cause problems. Yeah. Look at the person next to you and tell him when you stand where God tells you to stand, you have authority. The minute you step out of the place God tells you to stand, you lose your authority. Amen. And so in the book of Ephesians... It says in 521, mm -hmm. it says further, submit, one, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is head of the church. He's the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. Man, when you use the submit word in America, it just doesn't land right. I don't know why. Because we're independent. We don't submit to nothing. I'm American. Let me clarify it for the women. That means you give of yourself freely. I'm going to just say this. Sex is not a reward. You know, some women do that. Oh, you did good today, so I'm going to give you a reward. No, that's not how that works. It's not a reward system. For your male. That's not how that works. You're supposed to submit just as um, it says as 
as um, Christ, what does it say in here? Yes, submits to the church as Christ submits. So that means you're supposed to give of yourself fully over to that person to serve them, to help them, to lay your life down and love them. That's what that submission word means. It means that he doesn't have to come in and have to, like, rule and reign over you, or it's like, oh, okay, um, only he has the word. No, that's not what that means. It means I give of myself freely. Everything of who I am, I give to you. I submit that to you, under you, under your covering, under your protection. You understand that? But you have to understand this principle so that you understand that you don't settle all you single ladies out there for a man who won't love you like Christ loved the church. If you understand that, you won't settle. If you understand that that's your position to be honored in, then when he crosses the boundary, you're going to be like, "Uh uh-uh, that ain't how God intended it. And vice versa, if he knows that you're supposed to respect him, then when you cross that boundary as the woman, he's going to be like, "Uh uh-uh, that's not how it works. You understand? So you have to understand what the word is saying here. Amen. And so it goes on to say, for husbands, this means love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church, he gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Mm -hmm. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. Mm. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. That's a good scripture. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and his wife must respect her husband. So in the order in the home, man is the head of the household. But as the man of the household, your duty is to love your wife as you love yourself and to give your life to her as Christ gave it to the church. That means you're there to serve your wife and meet her needs. That includes sitting and listening to her talk to you for five hours. For her to just unload whatever is in her heart, because you're just a sounding board to let her figure it out herself. She just needs to talk it through, and she'll come to the right conclusion. But guys are too quick to always want to solve the problem because they don't want to listen. Do we have another exit out of the building? And sometimes it's because us women, we have to organize everything too. And we have all this pressure that we like come under, that we put ourselves under really. So it's like, I feel like when I talk to you as well, and I'm telling you like that, this is bothering me. This is, we got all this stuff to do. You help me unpack that list and get that done. Yeah. And it's important, you know, at the end of the day, you married that woman. You're going to spend the rest of a life, your life with her. If she's unhappy, it's not going to be happy for you. And who wants to live and in vice a... vice versa, if he's unhappy, it ain't going to be happy either. Who wants to live in a household where there's bickering and fighting all the time? Mm-mm. Arguing, complaining, fighting, accusation, worry, stress, fear. And... And what I can tell you, men, is if you'll just make the choice to give up your life for your wife, lay it down. Not give 50%, not give 60%, but give her your life. Serve her wholeheartedly like she's the only one and she should be the only one. Wake up every day to make her life feel special, like she feels 
like, man, I am so blessed to have this guy because he makes my life so good. If you'll wake up with that intention every day, you'll have a happy wife. I'm telling you right now. Because you lay down your life to serve her. And it's not about the stuff you give her. It's not about the stuff. Missy would rather have me spend time with her, help her work through things. When the day gets out of order and then suddenly somebody has to change their schedule, it's not like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm going to change the schedule again for you. Why can't you just get it straight? And put all the pressure back on her to figure it out. Instead of saying, okay, babe, we'll switch this around. We'll do that. I'll go do this. If you'll do that, and we'll take care of it and knock it out. Without an attitude from either side. Does that make sense? But what that means is you have to die to that irritation. You have to die to demanding things your own way. You have to die to all those emotions that pop up when things don't go the way you want them to go. And you've got to stay in love. You've got to be patient. You've got to be kind. You've got to not step out of your love walk so that you can get wisdom from heaven on how to deal with the situation. Because the minute that you step out, what happens is everything starts to implode. Now you're spending, I mean, we, we fix things pretty quickly. But in the car ride, from the car ride to the meeting that night, it was a good three, four hours. Some people don't take care of stuff for weeks. So you carry this cloud on the inside of you of, of turmoil and silence between the two of you. And there's no communication and you can get nothing done. But somebody has to humble themselves and say, I'm sorry. And you have to work it out so that you can get into unity again, so that you can move forward in what God has called you to do and the things that you need to do for your family. And there's people that live with that division in their hearts against family members for years. There's people even living in the same households that have these layers of bitterness between them and their spouse. And God wants to clean all of that out of your heart so that you can step into his love. And know that this is the enemy trying to steal from you and from your relationships. It's the enemy that comes to divide relationships. And you got to be aware of his strategies and the way he does things. And you have to protect your heart from crossing out of love into all the other things that he's offering you. Because the minute you cross into that stuff, you're being used as an instrument to bring destruction in your relationships. Mm -hmm. And we don't want to be that person. Yeah, and three, four hours was a long time for us. It is. It's normally like seconds now. Yeah. Normally where we get it together. But this time I was like, I was going to be stubborn. And I was like, he going to apologize first. So the whole internal battle is who's going to apologize first? Really, that's what stops the time of making things right and switching back into love is the internal battle of not being willing to humble yourself. It's true. So... The, when, when one person humbles themselves and says sorry, it breaks everything open. Then you can laugh about it. Then you can get back in where you thought you were going to be like, this is over. You know? Come on. I, we've all been there, right? Like, ain't no, nobody shit like that. Nobody going to tell me to shut up and sit down. <laughs> you know, come on now. I know I'm not the only one. So... You know, it's that internal battle that we deal with. But the quicker you can lay down your life, the quicker that you can humble yourself, the quicker things get back into unity. Yeah. And what you were saying, like I have my son sitting in the back of the car and he's watching us go at it. Yeah. So your children love both parents. I don't know if you know this. He does love me. Children love both their parents. So when a child sees their parents in an argument, that child goes into fear. It brings instability into the household, right? And then the child has to choose which side they're going to pick. Ooh, that's good. And then what happens is the child now gets into unity with dad against mom, or the child gets in unity with, with mom against dad. And, and now when two you, agree or more, it shall be done. So now you're causing the enemies bringing a division into the household, even between the kids. Mm-hmm. And to make, and this is, this is probably the worst thing that anybody can do to their children, 
is a mother poisons the child against the father, and a father poisons the child against the mother. There are, there's probably no greater torment for a child who loves both parents to have to sit there and listen to one tear the other apart, and then made to pick a side through manipulation. And this is all the enemy's plan to destroy our homes. Mm -hmm. And we're not going to put up with it. We're not going to allow it. Can you say amen? Amen. Another thing for order in the home, it goes on into chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. For this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well with you and you will have a long life on earth. So you have father's position or husband's position is love your wife as Christ loved the church. Lay down your life for her. Wife's position is submit to the husband and respect him. Children's position, obey your parents. My position is to love. Her position is to respect. The children's position is to obey. That's the right order in the household. And as long as you stay in order and walk in love, you'll have authority. The minute that you step out of love, you lose authority, and now you're out of order, and you become part of the problem in the household. Amen. Even when you discipline your children, if you discipline them not truth in love, fear-driven, condescending, tearing them down in the midst of disciplining them, then you're out of love when you're doing that. But you expect them to stay in their position to obey. You hear me? If you want them to stay in their position and not rebel, then you have to say truth in love. And if you step out of love, you have to do the same thing. You have to humble yourself and you have to go apologize to your child for stepping out of love in the way you did it. It's not what I said. It's how I said it. I'm sorry. Forgive mommy. But this is going to be the rule and this is going to be the boundary. Yeah, you don't apologize for bringing correction. You apologize for the attitude in the way you brought correction. Now, me and you, we're going to go to the cross together and cry, okay? Let's go. <laughs> and you know what? When your children watch you do this, this is how you train them. Because kids don't do what you say. They do what you do. Right? We're trying to drive out these things in our kids, but we haven't driven them out of ourselves first. got to drive the stuff out of us so that we, they can naturally watch us drive the stuff out of ourselves so they can say, you know what? I'm going to drive that out of myself too. So... What's great is even when you step out of love, when your children watch you go back and apologize to one another and correct, and correct and yourself and do that, they know that that's what they have to do when they get married. Right. Everything we learned, we learned in the household. It was our training ground. And there's things that we've learned growing up in our homes that are not in line with the word of God. And so we need to have the Word of God as the standard that we live by, and we need to be willing to correct anything that's not in line with how God wants it done, right? And if a husband and a wife will come into unity on the Word of God to walk in love, this is, the sky's the limit in how God will bless you and your households. But there's also situations where you have single parents, mm -hmm. right? So what happens if you don't have a spouse or you're single? What do you do? Well, then it's still your responsibility to honor the Lord, to serve the Lord wholeheartedly. And you need to have spiritual accountability. Who do you have in your life that you can talk to that's going to direct you in the right way? You know, we all think we've got great ideas, but some of those ideas are self-centered, and they're going to lead to destruction. And you don't need to go talk to worldly people about how to get your life right and how to get it together. You need to have godly counsel in your life so that you can get your life on track the way God wants it on track. Mm. And so as a single person, you might think that guy's hot or that girl is great. Why don't you run them by your pastors and see what they think? And then you have to be willing to say, well, they don't think it's a good idea. What are you going to do? Are you going to rebel or are you going to trust them? Because your flesh wants what it wants, 
and you've been around the mountain four times, and you're about to go around five times, and you think this is the one, but what has changed in you to break that cycle? What has changed from the last relationship to this relationship that the cycle is broken? If this, you haven't got a revelation and it hasn't broken in you, you're about to go around the mountain one more time picking the wrong person. And who do you have in your life that's going to help direct you in your relationships? That's why we don't marry people that are not part of this ministry. People come from the outside. Can we hire you to marry us? Go to Las Vegas. Go to the courthouse. You have no spiritual covering in your life. You don't submit to the Lord. But yet when it's time to get married, you want some pastor to come hocus pocus over you. And somehow that's going to fix your marriage. Bless your household. It doesn't work that way. Yeah, and I want to say this. We're designed as women to be a helpmate to our husbands, right? So if you pick a man who doesn't love the Lord, who doesn't follow the Lord, how do you fully surrender and submit your gifts, talents, and abilities under his covering? Because you already don't trust the way he's going to lead you. You just wanted to fill the vo that void of loneliness. But if you can become a secure in yourself, then when God brings you the godly man, you don't settle for second best. That means he's seeking the Lord. He's hearing from the Lord. He's going to love you just as Christ loved the church fully. He's going to lay his life down to, to, to uh, serve you, and it's going to be easy now for me to submit my gifts to him. Whether, no matter what that looks like. If I'm the businesswoman, I submit it to him. I don't do anything without asking permission. I really don't. I submit everything to him because he is the man of the household. And when he agrees, then we move forward. Any big decisions, if we're starting a new business, if we're doing this, if I want to reorganize the business, I, I, I bounce, he says I bounce it off of him, but I'm really submitting my gift to him. So it's very important, I'm saying this to all you single people out there, is that the Bible tells you not to be unequally yoked, but you have to pick the right spouse. Amen? Do not settle for second best because God's got first best for you. Amen. Now we don't know where to go? No, I mean, oh, okay. I'm just thinking how long we should go. Oh, how, what time is it? I'm not hungry. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all hungry? Hey, they're already eating. They're eating that spiritual food today. All right. Uh, we'll finish with this. We'll go here. They came, they came ready to eat. They came ready to eat. You know how they so say that? So humility is the key, really, with he, this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we gotta, He's we, going back. He's pulling yeah. it back. <laughs> Pull us back in. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot we can say about children and all kinds of things, but I think... What I want to close with today is this. Um, in Genesis chapter 3, so we spoke about God bringing the curse out, right? And we, we read, you know, what happened with the woman here and, and the man, obviously. But I want to go back to where God catches him. Oh, God catched him. Caught him. Catched him. Catched him. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. And one day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. The woman replied, it's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden. We're not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent said to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. And that is really true. That this was something God wanted to keep away from man, that they would only know life. Mm. But they unlocked the knowledge of good and evil that God never wanted them to unlock, right? And the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. She wanted the wisdom it would give her. Imagine biting into a fruit that would unlock a whole way of thinking in you. 
you never knew. That's what wisdom does when it unlocks in you. It's a way of thinking that you've never known before. And it says, the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful. Its fruit looked delicious. She wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of it and she gave it to her husband who was with her. So he was right there all along. It ends the argument. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her. He was her. like, you go first. <laughs> I bet you. Because she was submitted. <laughs> she was deceived. He put her out there. Yeah, he did. He didn't love her. At that moment, their <laughs> eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord among the trees, and the Lord God called the man, where are you? And he replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you you were naked? The Lord God asked, have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? And, and the, that's how God knew, because they didn't know they were naked previously. They were just walking around free. And this is the part that I want to get to. Are you ready for it? Look at the person next to you. Say, are you ready for it? Here it comes. And then the man replied, it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit, and I ate it. He wasn't blaming the woman. He was actually blaming God. God, it's the woman you gave me. It's your fault, God. See, y'all thought he was blaming the woman. He was blaming God. He was saying, it's the woman you gave me. So he didn't take responsibility for disobeying God. He put it back on God and blamed God. And there's a lot of us that blame God for things that are going on in our lives. And I, I want to say this, family, is that we need God in our lives. And the last thing that we need to do is blame God for things that have gone wrong through deception. Sometimes the enemy comes in and deceives our parents, deceives family members. It brings destruction. We even have maybe family members that we never see again. They get married and go whatever, or they pass away, whatever the case may be. And we judge God. We blame God for those things. And we need to be very careful that we don't allow the circumstances that were orchestrated by the enemy to, get, to break us apart from the Lord where we have judgment in our hearts towards God, and now we can't receive from the Lord. You need to have your relationship with God whole, and you can't allow deception to separate you from the Lord. Can you say amen? amen. And then it goes on to say, and, the, and then he said to the woman, what have you done? And the, woman, and the woman said, it was the serpent that deceived me, and I ate it. And then the Lord said to the serpent, and so the blame game goes on. And we have to be very careful that we don't allow deception to get us to blame one another and point fingers at one another in the household. And you'll see that with children. I want you to clean, I want you to clean the dishes. Well, what is so-and-so do, doing? There's always this finger pointing. I don't want to do it. What are they doing? Trying to get the attention off you. Right? And so in the relationship, you have to take stock of what you've done wrong. I love it when my kids do that. I take such great joy in discipline. I'm like, what do you mean what so-and-so is doing? You're going to have dish duty for a month now. I'm going to help you out. Mama going to help you out today. I love it. You know, you got to do that to your kids. I don't let my compare. I don't say point fingers, who does this, who does that, blah, blah, blah. It's not fair. I'm going to show you what not fair is now. That's how it's going to roll. Right? <laughs> I just ask any of them. It's great. You got to do that sometimes, you know? Because you they get, you have to bring correction and, and love. And not get irritated. Yes, because if they come out of love, they're not willing to lay their life down to serve the household as well. Then that's a problem. See, you have to correct the attitudes in your household that are avoiding 
laying down their lives to walk in love. You have to be on guard in your family about what the love walk is. You need to walk in it. And as parents, you need to bring that correction to your children so that when they leave the household, they know how to walk in love. Because the last thing I want for my, for my uh, family line is for my kids to be fighting with their spouses and for their homes to be separated. And that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to divide and destroy your family line. And we're not putting up with it. And here's how we're going to close today. I don't know what your spouse or your ex or whatever it's been, or maybe you don't have a relationship with anyone, you're good. But if you've been in relationships where you're still blaming the other person, mm. then you still have that cloud of darkness brewing in your heart. And you need to clear that out so you can let the love of God back in so that you can take your position again. Yes. Are you with me? So let's stand this afternoon, this evening, whatever time it is. And we're going to pray. Amen. And we, we want to make sure that there's nothing between you and the Lord. I mean, we prayed that earlier. But maybe you're in here today and you've got just something in your heart where you blame God for things that have gone on in your life, in your family. And sometimes we don't understand why, so we, we get angry with God, right? Just because you don't understand why, don't get into the place where you judge the Lord for that or point fingers at God or get angry with God. We don't want that. And then if you've been in a, in a relationship where things have gone wrong and there's still a lot of bitterness and, and stuff brewing in your heart because of what that person has done and you're blaming them and judging them for it, we need to let that go today. All right? Did you want to say something? I did, but I forgot it now. Okay. So let's check our hearts this morning. Father, I thank you for every person in here. And Lord, as we've been talking about building strong homes, Lord, there's all kinds of family situations going on in this place. And Father, even above what Misty and I have said, I know you've been revealing things to people's hearts by your spirit, God. And Lord, we want to see our homes strong. Father, wherever the enemy has brought deception and is bringing confusion in our lives, God, I thank you that you are shining your light on those areas and you're exposing it, Lord God. And Father, I thank you that you are cleansing those areas out so that we can be free and that we can walk in love. And Father, today, wherever there is judgment against you, Lord, we're going to clean that out. Or judgment against anyone else, Lord, we're going to let that go today. So just pray with me and say this. Say, Heavenly Father. I trust you, I trust you with, my life. with my life. And Lord, if there's any area where I'm blaming you for anything that has gone wrong in my life, I ask you to forgive me, God. Say, I trust you, Lord. And I thank you, Father, that you will show me the things I need to know. And I make the decision today to step into your love right now. So, Father, I thank you that every division that the enemy has set up between them and God, any sin they've committed, I thank you that it's broken. And I thank you that your love floods them now, Lord. I thank you for wisdom. I thank you for understanding. I thank you for healing and restoring them, Lord. I thank you, Father, that they will hear your voice clearly. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that you're opening their eyes to see and know what the Spirit of God has to say to them. And Father, I thank you that every attempt of the enemy to sever the relationship between you and them is broken now. In Jesus' mighty name. Now, if you're in this place and you've got some stuff against somebody else, I want you to just forgive them and release them right now. You know, sometimes people, they're so blinded by hurts and things that go on in their lives that they've been trained and raised a certain way and they don't know how to break out of that. 
And we don't want to excuse it, but at the same time, you can't carry the bitterness and the hurt of that. And we need to forgive them so that God can heal us and restore us. Amen. So if you're in here today and you've got some stuff that you need to release, everybody pray with me. Say this. Say, Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father I choose today, I choose today to, walk to walk in forgiveness. And I forgive, and I forgive every, person every person that has used me, abused, abused me, abused come, me against come against me in any way. And I completely let it go today, Lord. And I pray that you would bless them. Open their eyes, Lord. Help them break through in Jesus' name. Now, Father, all of the hurt, all of the pain, everything that they're carrying, the bitterness, the guilt, the fear, the stress, the trauma of that relationship and what has happened. Father, I thank you right now that assignment breaks and that it releases from them today, Lord God. And that your peace and your love floods their hearts, Lord. And Father, I thank you that you will give them the wisdom on how to deal with that person and to work things through. In Jesus' mighty name. Can you say amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, we're going to make it simple to sum it up. This is how you do it. Yes. Thank you. I'm sorry. Yes. Thank you. I'm sorry. Yes. Thank you. I'm sorry. Isn't that make it so easy? Boom. Done. Love, order, humility. I love you, babe. When your joy comes upon me, all that I can do is start dancing, dancing. Precious than you